4: Quite a privilege. Quite,
2: quite um, a personal privilege. To yes. be honest, I, I don't know most of these guys.
4: This is Armstrong and Getty. Pretty
0: damn cool. Very fine people on both sides. It is what it is. But hey, we've made it possible. With ridiculous bull****. Hey, man. So
5: then I was like, yay. All
0: right, go, go. I'm sorry. is
4: Armstrong and Getty. You're listening
5: to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. So you're going to have to set up this story for me. I don't know the participants.
4: Chris Cuomo is an obnoxious, self-righteous, biased, pain-in-the-hiney CNN uh, anchor. He was hanging out in uh, Shelter Island, New York. He's related to the other Cuomos that I've heard of, though? Yes. Yeah. And uh, and he is uh, he's terrible. He's so smug. And evidently some guy uh, <laughs> called him Fredo. In this bar he's in, um, for, well, what he said specifically was, um, wait a second, I have that. I know it was you, Fredo, which is <laughs> a line from The Godfather, The Godfather yeah. Part Three, right? No,
5: Three? no, no, no. That's, that's early or, on. That's when, that one? That's when they're down. Yeah, that's when they're down in Cuba mm. and, uh, the revolution hits. And Michael grabs him by the face when all the S's going down and they gotta leave, uh, they gotta leave Havana. And he grabs him by the face. I know it was you, Fredo. You broke my heart. And he kisses him on the lips. Right. That's kind of the break of their relationship. Cause Fredo was his older brother, but didn't get to be the power because right. he was such a dope.
4: <laughs> and then Fredo, spoiler alert, ends up, uh, uh well, not alive. He goes uh, out on Lake Tahoe on a boat. Right. Exactly, and does not come back. It's very odd. He may be there still, but the but,
5: idea is that you're you're the member of the family that's kind of an embarrassment and needs to be taken care of. Right. Uh, we, one more note before we play it, positive Sean. The actor who played Fredo only appeared in five movies, all of them nominated for Best Picture. Wow, that's, that's, that's a, pretty a impressive. good movie trivia. But um, so anyway, I, I didn't know Rush Limbaugh regularly refers to
4: Chris Cuomo as Fredo. That's, I, that's I a pretty either. good. That's
5: a pretty good blast.
4: That is funny because that's,
5: his his brother's governor and his dad was governor and.
4: Oh, that's a good shot. Okay, so here's how it went. I hope this is bleeped.
0: My name is Chris Cuomo. I'm an anchor on CNN. Oh, you're much... Fredo is from the Godfather. He was a weak brother. Isn't that your And brother
5: they brother use though? it as an Italian aspersion. Any of you Italian? Oh, Are you I got, Italian? I a little it's a f***ing insult to your people. It's an insult to your f***ing people. It's like the N-word for us. Wow. Is, that, is that a cool f***ing thing? You're a much more reasonable guy in person than you seem to be on television. Yeah, but if you want to play, then we'll Play. You got play something man. you want to say about what I do on television? and say it. But I'm mm-hmm. gonna call
3: you. A hey, a listen. What, what? I don't
0: want any problems. Bro. Yeah,
3: you're gonna have a big problem. What's the problem? It's a little different on TV. What's the don't don't insult me like What's that. The bro- I didn't insult you. you call too. me Fredo. It's like I call you Pump. You
5: like that? You want well, that to be your nickname? I, I didn't call you that. I, I, you I call me Fredo. You I know my name not Fredo. I thought your name was. You man. did not think my name was Fredo. Don't be a liar. I thought you, you were know, a man. Stand up like a man. i up, want to be a man out here. I'm I know what you said. Listen, I have a problem with you. You're gonna have a what you throw you down these stairs like a pump. wow Man, I don't know how nice. I feel about that because I mean yeah nice. I have never liked the whole I get to walk up to celebrities and 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 say anything I want to them and they can't do anything back to me he greeted him Thanks. hey Fredo <laughs> and you know so
4: <laughs> Yeah, I'm not I'm not cool with that. Listen, I I am not either. I feel guilty for how much I'm enjoying this, which is a great deal. On the other hand, Sean Hannity, Sean Hannity tweeted, good for Cuomo. He's out with his nine-year-old daughter's wife, and this guy's being a jackass in front of his yeah, family. That's the way I feel about it. In my humble opinion, Chris Cuomo has zero to apologize for. He deserves the apology. I, that's a, that glad, is one of the more stand-up things I've heard uh, Sean Hannity I'm say glad Hannity today, said that,
5: because I feel that way, too. That whole, you're an athlete, you're a movie star, so I can walk up and say anything to you in public, and you can't do anything about it, because people got their cell phones out, and if you respond anyway, then you're a jerk, I guess? I, I've never liked that. Yeah, I'm but not anyway. buying
4: that, even though I can't stand Chris Cuomo... On the other hand, I'm not sure Fredo is like the N-word for Italians. <laughs> that's that's quite a thing to yeah, say. Point point of contention there, Mr. Cuomo. <laughs> on but, the other hand, he's pissed. On the he's other hand, he might have to fight a guy.
5: Donald J. Trump jumped into it with a tweet today, and of on course, the not often seen third hand. And that will, of course, calm things down. He's finally, when, uh-huh. right? When Trump tweets about it; it will calm things down. Would Chris Cuomo be given a red flag for his recent rant, filthy language, and total loss of control? He shouldn't be allowed to have any weapon. He's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> that oh, was. that's about the the red <laughs> flag Alex <laughs> yeah. thing. Okay, yeah. look at the <laughs> likes being
4: racked up on the Twitter. It <laughs> looks like a a, 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 a slot machine <laughs> oh in Vegas. God. The numbers are twirling he so fast.
5: He shouldn't be allowed to have a weapon. He's nuts.
4: What? <laughs> 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 That's not, oh that's not the same Donald Trump who's currently the president. No, right? that's
5: the president of the United States trolling someone just for his own amusement. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> these, these bing, bing, bong, bong, bing, bing. These bing. are odd times. Oh, you think? Wow. I knew it was you, Fredo. You broke my heart. That that might be the best scene in all of the Godfather movies. Yeah. That moment right then. Yeah. I have not seen those movies in a dog's age. They age well. In two
4: dog's ages. They
5: age well. It's not like you watch something and think, why did I like this so much? It's not like
4: that at all. Is three bad because it's bad or is it bad in comparison to the magnificent masterpieces that one and two were? Jack, your opinion. I
5: only saw it in the theater three. I've seen one and two each 20 times. Yeah. I only saw three in the theater, and I thought it was okay. And I've always wondered that was it because of the expectations, and or is it actually bad? I don't know. Uh, yeah, three. well, okay, well, one I don't and want to two dwell on that,
4: are freaking fantastic. Yeah, yeah, clearly. Um, speaking of popular culture, if we're done kicking and or defending Chris Cuomo, who is obviously uh, uh, nuts and should not have a weapon, Fredo, we should have had the clip of Fredo
5: from the Godfather when he's standing up for us.
4: I'm smart. I'm smart too. Right.
5: That's a great idea. That's what Chris Cuomo was saying. Five minutes late. <laughs> That's something smart people say all the
4: time.
1: <laughs> right.
4: Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. Um I hesitate to bring this up because there may be well, there's very little that is more over discussed by baby boomers than Woodstock. Mm. Freaking, freaking Woodstock. Um perhaps the Beatles. I'm a huge Beatles fan, but enough. I've heard enough. If I'd like to listen to the music, and I often do, I will do that. I don't need any more discussion. On the other hand, if you are into the rock and roll music like I am, one thing to know about Woodstock, and I've wondered this for years. Well, the the answer is fairly obvious, but so they didn't really figure out the bathrooms and the gates and the tickets and the food and the sanitation, and it was pretty chaotic. And it all went pretty well, which is why everybody's so uh, starry-eyed, reminiscing about the whole thing. It really was kind of peace, love, and understanding in rock and roll for a very long time. There were problems, but it all came off okay for chaos. Um, But the one thing they got right is they had uh, the uh, capacity to tape and film like everything. And they got it right, which is amazing, which is why there have been such great documentaries. And you've seen so many great performances From what was essentially chaos. Well, Rhino Records, Rhino, is releasing a 10-CD, 5-LP... That should be enough. ...3-CD digests. Those are the edits, Jack. Those are the... For those who are just somewhat interested, the 10-CD set. Or the 3-CD. But they're also releasing a what's described here as a fascinating, exhaustive, and sometimes exhausting 38-CD set. I think it's everything, everything that was played at that rock festival. Takes full advantage of live microphones, constantly rolling tape from both backstage and onstage. Even has the between-set announcements, which if you've ever heard them, because there are no cell phones, there are no pagers, there's nothing... It's a long string of Joe Getty. Joe Getty. Your friends are looking for you. Meet them at the, uh, whatever. Meet them at the second tower on my left. Joe Getty, the second tower. Jack Armstrong. Jack, your wife's looking for you. Boy, who Meet know? her at the bathrooms, the women's bathroom. And I can get that on CD.
5: Positive Sean, and yeah. listen to it whenever I want.
4: Right, and the warnings about all the bad acid, and it's not just the famous brown acid from the Woodstock film. There are all sorts of bad actors uh, selling bad drugs to people. But yeah, um, and also you didn't know this: the constant war of sit down, stand up, <laughs> which went on for days, a concert staple. <laughs>
5: <laughs> I uh yeah a lot of that stuff from the 60s I think could not possibly be mo- more overrated and uh, when when the generation that that meant something to dies off it will be lost to history because it doesn't mean a freaking thing but I like the music fine there's some good music in in the, uh, the whole Woodstock concert that I've mm-hmm. listened to a million times but the, the, the importance of it, zero. Zero importance in history. It will be lost forever. Well, I was reading... Big freaking deal. If I never heard another word about it, I would, I would pay to never hear another word about Woodstock in my life. So John
4: Pirellis, who is there, who still writes for the utterly unreadable, yet still good New York Times in some ways, um, he's got a great uh, article, Woodstock at 50, the contradictions, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I think my favorite... Um, My favorite sentence from this, if I can find it, was that what appeared to be a uh, political force and a movement and a culture just became a demographic. To All be marketed right. yeah, to. Sure. Which of is course.
5: fine, but that's what it was. I remember being young. Music seems like it's so freaking important. And right. when you get older, you realize eh, it's not that important. <laughs> it's enjoyable. It's very enjoyable. It's great.
4: It soothes the soul. I'm still the music freak that I was as a kid, but I don't take it very seriously. But it's,
5: it's, not, it's not changing a lot of minds on a lot of issues. No. Or any. Maybe you haven't heard this one—that's changing hearts and minds across America.
2: Americans are slow to wake up. Once we do wake up, we slam it like nobody's business. Slam it, slam Slam, it,
3: slam, slam it,
2: slam it, slam it, slam it. I'm running for president because it is time for this generation of Americans to slam it. Yes, I want that on my phone
4: for my alarm in the morning. Oh, Mer- I love that. I'm energized. Every time I hear it, I'm energized.
5: Marianne Williamson. I like the really can,
4: high one. Slam
5: it. Can you, <laughs> slam it.
4: <laughs> can you imagine if she was president? Yes, I can. Every morning, it'd be like some horrifying dictatorship. But instead of compliance is mandatory. No, she'd say, hey, America, let's
3: slam it. We slam it like nobody's business. Slam it. Slam it. Slam
4: it. Slam it.
3: And you think
4: you're walking in your car, your train, whatever you think. I am going to slam it. I'll president throw you down these stairs Chris. like a <laughs> punk. Pre- no, Chris Cuomo, you're wrong. She's right. You get up in the morning, you're gonna slam it. I would call up the president of New Zealand and say, "Girlfriend, <laughs> please be on the stage for the next debate. <laughs> please, please, please. What does it take? <laughs> Holster calls me. I know what I'm telling him. Marianne, <laughs> Marianne Williamson.
3: This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong
2: Getty.
4: and Getty. My daughter, Delaney, tells a funny story about uh, flying into LaGuardia for the first time. It is dingy. It's striking. Yeah, she had to get from whatever it was, a terminal A to terminal B. And she couldn't figure out how, and she asked somebody, and they said, follow me. She goes down this long hallway, just the two of them, this employee and her. Come through here, he says. They walk through this door. He says, wait here. She's waiting there alone, like in the lobby between a door and a staircase. A few minutes later, come the guy comes back with a few more people. All right, follow me. They go down this staircase. She's thinking, is this where I get killed? Is this how it ends? <laughs>
5: wow.
4: And they say, all right, come out of here. Wait. A bus is going to appear in about five minutes. And then the guy disappears. Five minutes later, I'll be damned. There's a bus. Get on the bus, (laughs) the guy says. Bus takes him to another door. Go in there. (laughs) And she said at no point did anybody explain what was going on or what. And everybody's like, I can't believe people need to get from Terminal A to effing Terminal B. That's New York, though. Yeah. Finally, they said, all right, go up those stairs. And there she is in Terminal B. But it was like this weird (laughs) ad hoc, you got to know somebody. He happens to know a guide. He's the descendant of the Algonquin Indians, and he knows how to. It's very weird. And there's rats working at Cinnabon. Jack, did you know that the moon is a sphere that travels once around the Earth every 27.3 days? I didn't know it was 27.3. I'd like to thank Ross for sending us this, uh, this fascinating piece of uh, literature slash uh, journalism. Uh most of the time the full moon isn't perfectly full. We always see the same side of the moon, but part of it is in shadow. Only when the moon, earth and sun are perfectly aligned is the moon 100% full. And that alignment produces a lunar eclipse, which takes all the fun out of it. Once in a blue moon, ha, ah, that's when you have two uh full moons in a month. Blue moon. <laughs> We came back with uh, Nick Drake's classic Pink Moon, by the way, which was in like a VW ad at one point, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Is that a real moon? Is that a moon? A pink. Oh, are you kidding? Yes, it is. Absolutely. So you got a lot of different uh, moon pink names. Moon. Um Moon. Including uh, in North America, your January moons, the wolf moon. Then you got your snow moon, worm moon, pink moon. Worm moon. Flower moon. Strawberry moon. Buck moon. That was my name when I was at Hollywood Stuntman. <laughs> buck moon, uh, yeah. The Sturgeon Moon, the Harvest Moon, the Hunter's Moon, the Beaver Moon, known for its buck teeth and flat tail, and the Cold Moon. Uh, most of those names, uh, actually, I mentioned the Algonquin tribes. That's because uh, they were on my mind. Uh, a lot of those names come from the Algonquins, for whatever reason. But there are moon nicknames from other cultures, too, including the Chinese moons, which have some, some very lovely names, including May's Dragon Moon. And my very favorite, the July full moon, the title of my horror thriller, Hungry Ghost Moon. Mm. <whistles> <laughs> something something scary. Insert here. <laughs> and uh, China's also got the holiday moon. The budding moon, the sleepy moon, the dragon moon, the lotus moon, the harvest moon, the uh, the bitter moon, which is the one that shines in my skies. <laughs> 12 months a year. Uh, let's see a bitter moon yeah oh god um and some of these are just great album names i'm going to use these for the next dfers album if we make one uh let's see you got your hay moon buck moon thunder moon mead moon grain moon sturgeon moon red moon work moon corn moon dog moon dog moon's not bad barley moon harvest moon corn moon harvest moon again hunter's moon blood moon hunter's moon again beaver moon uh Oak Moon, Cold Moon, Long Nights Moon.
5: Do we, uh, at any point, find out why so many different cultures decided the need they needed to name the
4: moons? I don't know. Sugar Moon—that's uh, <laughs> September's Moon in some culture or another. Egg Moon, Fish Moon, Seed Moon, Pink Moon, Waking Moon. Uh, let's see anything else. The honeymoon.
5: Oh, that's an, an actual, actual moon. honeymoon. Yeah, the honeymoon, which moon. is
4: known for you know, it's sex, travel, drinking, and 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 sex. Yeah. Exactly. Isn't that fascinating? Uh-huh. I don't know why you have to name a moon, but... Uh, yeah, yeah. Tis the harvest moon, boy! So old people can yell at it, Young people, <laughs> I guess, in October in New England. Well, it's a full moon, Dad. Tis the harvest moon! <laughs> All right, because what? Harvest is going on? I could have figured that out. What do you call that one when the worms come out of the the, the, the ground? That's the worm moon, boy!
5: All right. Why do you keep pointing at me when you say this? <laughs> yes, so what do you call gnarled finger? What do me. you call the moon when it's time to put the seeds in the ground?
4: That's a seed moon.
5: That okay. seed moon, you young
4: jackass.
5: Well, I'm starting to get the hang of how you name the
4: moons. Then
1: this is the best of Armstrong and Getty.
4: Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. San Francisco has a plan for expanding the forced treatment of the mentally ill. That's worth uh, delving into a little bit later on in the show.
5: Forced treatment of mentally ill. That's a tough one.
4: Oh, it's one of the toughest uh, topics you can have in a a free society. When do you deny people their freedom? If they're troubled. Tough line to cross. Uh, And and crazy people are definitely, uh, and I say that with no disrespect, are definitely part of the West Coast bum explosion, but we've always been saying let's figure out how much of a part what are we dealing with? One size does not fit all in this problem. And um, there's, a, there's this piece in the California Globe, which is a publication I really wasn't familiar with, but it's a, a fabulous, long, detailed, carefully researched piece about the homeless industrial complex. And it begins with long descriptions of the tens of thousands of people living in tents in Los Angeles, for instance. Rats have taken over the city. Multiple rodent-born, flea-borne illnesses, plague, typhus, lice, louse-borne illnesses, measles, tuberculosis, typhus, hepatitis, shigella, uh, a communicable form of diarrhea is now running nah. rampant. Trench fever, whatever that trench is. Trench fever. As reported by the Atlantic earlier this year, medieval diseases are infecting, uh, California's homeless.
5: Well, you hate to get trench fever from a rat in the year 2019.
4: There are probably 130,000 or more uh, homeless people, bums, whatever, in in California, living on sidewalks, parks, parking lots, vacant lots, no sanitation or trash collection. And and they in this piece they describe the enormous amount of money being thrown around. In L.A., voters approved, this is in 2016, Measure Triple H, allocated $1.2 billion in bonds to build 10,000 housing units to house the homeless, since then, LA voters approved a quarter cent sales tax increase, and uh, and they've housed hundreds of people with their billions of dollars. Every major city in California is spending tens or more on homeless. Most of the money is being wasted. Why? Because the homeless industrial complex is getting filthy rich, wasting the money while the homeless population swells. And they talk about the enormous price tag per unit of these building projects. And the road to hell is paved with good intentions, because if your intentions are good and it seems noble, nobody asks any questions, because to be skeptical of these programs is to be a bad person. If the program is good and has good intentions, then by definition, anybody against it is a bad person when you get to these, you know, these feel-good programs. It's It's
5: hard to imagine what it would be like to be inside one of these things, because even in business... You have to work really hard to not waste money. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have to work hard at it. And you've got every, you and all your employees have great reason to not want to waste money. And it's still hard. If you have no push factors against wasting
4: money, which you don't in these things,
5: imagine how much money gets wasted.
4: Yeah, it's tremendous and stolen. Venice Beach, 1,000 homeless or so. They've taken over virtually every public venue, including the famous beach, um there's the the uh, the tents or pop-up drug retailers brothels to get these folks off the streets and off the beach a 154 shelter a bed shelter 154 beds has been approved by the city council it'll be a wet shelter druggies and drunkards are welcome the estimated cost for the shelter is so far as eight million dollars which is over fifty thousand dollars per bed and nobody asks why Um, there's, uh, you know, $8 million to put up some large tents and plumb for bathrooms and kitchens. Human nature would be if
5: you make a shelter for homeless and it costs $50,000 per bed and somebody gets that money, construction companies, you know, all kinds of different companies, uh, plumbers, people who sell beds, everything, they're Mm -hmm. all making money off of it. Right. If if you, if, if nobody says $50,000 per bed, how would you not think next time around might as well make it sixty thousand dollars
4: per head. Let's ed. try it. What, why not? For instance, back to Measure Triple H. Told that the new permanent supporting housing, permanent supportive housing, would cost about one hundred and forty thousand dollars a unit. The taxpayers were are now finding out that the average unit per cost is going to be uh, cost per unit. I'm sorry, is worded strangely. I'm trying to translate it on the fly, but it's now up to a four hundred and forty thousand dollars. Per unit, Whoa. not 140, which is extraordinary, but $440,000 per unit. A privately funded development company, Flyaway Homes, has de- debuted in Los Angeles with the mission of rapidly providing housing for the homeless. Cause people with uh, good
5: hearts are willing to throw money at this problem and then people just waste it.
4: Here's another complex that's going to be $281,000 per two bedroom apartment. Oh, uh, let's see. Here's another complex, $450,000 per apartment, utterly unsustainable. Now, and, and it's really good, and we'll have a link so you can find it at com. but then they get to um, uh, solutions, which will gladden your heart.
5: Yeah, well, yeah, that's what I want to hear. And then how much of a solution is this anyway, these various places that people get to stay in terms of them not can, either staying there the
4: rest of their lives or just going back to being homeless? So here's the prescription. And in the the final the summary I like of the problem section: money is squandered and the population of homeless people multiplies. This is not compassion in action; rather, it's corruption in action. Here's the way here's the way to rein in the homeless industrial complex. Number one: acknowledge there's a problem. Agree that it's no longer acceptable to throw money at the homeless epidemic without questioning all of the current proposals and the underlying premises. Billions of dollars are being wasted. Admit it. Two, recognize that a special interest, the homeless industrial complex, comprised of developers, government bureaucrats, and activist non-profits, have taken over the homeless agenda and turned it into a profit center. They're not going to solve the problem. They're going to milk it. I've mentioned this before. Growing up in Chicagoland, I became aware of uh, how the nonprofits and the charity organizations were utterly corrupt. There, zillions of dollars were pouring through them, and their only job, their only real job, was making sure everybody showed up to vote Democrat every uh, election cycle in the city of Chicago. It's a giant scam. Um, their PR firms will sell the, the compliant media. A feel-good story about someone who turned their life around living in a fine new apartment. What they won't tell you is that because of the $400,000 they charged to build that single apartment unit, dozens if not hundreds of people are still on the street with nothing. Number three, act at the municipal and state level to set a limit on the cost per shelter bed. This cost must represent a compromise between ideal facilities for homeless people and what is affordable at a scale sufficient to solve the problem. There's no reason the capital cost for a shelter bed should be $50,000 each. But that's exactly what's been proposed in some of the cities we talked about or over 400,000 in, in Los Angeles. But that's what they cost. It's outrageous. This is good. Four, stop differentiating between bridge housing, which is basic shelter and permanent supportive housing. Permanent supportive housing is bridge housing. Amenities better than a durable, dry, sole occupancy tent and a porta potty can belong exclusively in the realm of privately funded nonprofits and charities. Until there isn't a single homeless person left on the street, not one penny of taxpayer money should be paying for anything beyond basic bridge housing. Number five, accepted homeless shelters will be more cost effectively constructed and operated. Oh, they talk about where they ought to be. That's kind of, it's an interesting topic, but, um, kind of off the, uh, off the beaten path. Uh, Go to court, challenge the decision in Jones versus the city of Los Angeles that ruled law enforcement and city officials can no longer enforce the ban on sleeping on sidewalks anywhere within the L.A. city limits until a sufficient amount of permanent supportive housing could be built. That's an insane ruling, going back to what we were just saying earlier, that you can find a judge to say about anything, including something idiotic. Uh, File a state ballot referendum to overturn Prop 47 in California, which downgraded drug and property crimes. The cops are beside themselves. They can't arrest people for crimes anymore. And this is, these two are the key. These are what you memorize. And I'm going to do number 10 first, then number nine. Confront the fact that a lot of homeless people are homeless by choice, not because they've run out of options, but they don't want help. Act accordingly. Do we give these people control over our public spaces? No. Our neighborhoods, our parks and beaches? And what of the others, the mentally ill, the substance abusers, the criminals? Do we give them control over our public spaces? And really that flows from number nine. recognize that the rights of the homeless must be balanced with the rights of citizens, local residents. And that homeless accommodation should be safe, but should never be better than the cheapest unit of commercial housing. And again, who has control over the public spaces? the citizens and taxpayers or the junkies that's, what, that's the the, bums. the very
5: thing i brought up when i spoke at a city council meeting who is the park mostly for who gets the priority here currently where i lived uh, the priority went to the homeless so the taxpayers that paid millions of dollars for this park don't get to use the park
4: and listen we you know we're heard in way too many cities and towns to do this but i would love to Rally, folks, semi-regularly. Maybe you can form an organization like the Tea Party Movement in your town or your county. Keep track of when the city council meeting is going to be. And if you show up with 10 people who do the two minutes or whatever your town or county allows to speak about, these are our spaces. They can't be controlled by bums and junkies. If you have 10 people, that'll make a huge impression. If you have 20 or 30 It'll be like you, you, I don't know, like you declared a war. It'll be incredibly effective. So form that organization. What should they be called? We need People need a hook. The town is for the citizens. Or I don't know. Work on your groovy name. I, we need a groovy name. No one do up top of your head. All right. Mailbag at ArmstrongandGetty.com. Mailbag at ArmstrongandGetty.com. Email us. What should these organizations be called? I like the idea of a good, effective, persuasive name because words matter. The people who are homeless by choice, the, the, the junkies and the crooks and, and the bums. I'm not talking about mentally ill people. Or, or Although, do we give bums and junkies control over our public spaces? Or do the taxpayers have that control? That's the question. Anyway, Absolutely. Good luck. Go get it, because if you don't, nobody will. Humans opposing outward kooks. Hook. <laughs> we need a hook. <laughs> we got it. How about, you know, uh, what's a B word that works? I mean, if it's spelled out bums or junkies is too long, but work on it. Let us know. Do you have an idea? Armstrong, uh, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com.
5: You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show.
4: Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. In order to take no deal
2: off the table. Order. 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 Very rude for
5: members. Order. 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 I say to the Chancellor of the Duchy that when he turns up at our children's school as a parent... He's a very well-behaved fellow.
4: He wouldn't dare behave like that in front of Colin Hall, and neither would I. Don't gesticulate. Don't rant. Spare us the theatrics. Behave yourself. Be a good boy, young man. <laughs> Hello.
5: So is he screaming at Bojo at Boris Johnson? Is that who he's talking to? Or?
4: No, I no. think some other guy. The Chancellor of Duchy? I wish I was that. Sounds like satisfying work. <laughs> we got one more clip from Boris
5: Johnson where he was really uh, laying it on thick and dramatic. As they, we, do.
0: we think that the friends of this country are to be found in Paris and in Berlin and in the White House, and he thinks that they're in the Kremlin and in Tehran and and in and, and in Caracas. <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah, bull, oh, oh, oh God. What an interesting way to run things! We had one person yell at the president
4: years ago. You lie, and it just, the, the the world came to a halt. Why? Everybody peed their pants. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out he was lying. What do you know? Uh, yeah. What's the What's the benefit of that? Have you ever heard any learned commentator, you know, discussing that? It's hilarious. Well, okay. <laughs> No, yeah, I it
5: seems to me that it just ends up favoring people that are quick witted and have loud
4: voices, which is not the best way to make policy. Does it do you any good though? I mean, is there any is there any point in it or is it just something that happens? You know what I mean? Right. Uh-huh. And, and I don't I don't know either. I have only a vague idea of how their system works, honestly, and you probably have to spend a lifetime studying it from what I've, you know, the more I learn, the less I know.
5: I, brought, I mentioned earlier, my son is at the uh, the the stage in fourth grade where they get to pick out musical instruments and everybody's going to take a whack at it. And based on my experience, about two thirds of them will, uh, well, about a third will quit within a month. Another third will quit at the end of the year and you'll have about a third that'll play on through, uh, you know, their school career. Um, at least that's the way it worked at my school.
4: And that third will realize the Asian kids are way, way better, and they'll quit at the end of high school. And
5: I did it from fifth grade all the way through my senior year, and I just kept doing it. It was just momentum. I'll never. i read this text. Played trumpet for nine years in school. Good at it. No joy or appreciation, though. That's kind of the way I was. Not a lot of joy or appreciation. I just did it. Um, Played bass in a bar for two months. Had girls yelling free food and got paid. (laughs) I took the road more traveled.
4: Yeah, I, you know, I played and worked hard at playing the trombone. Don't play the clip, Michael. Don't play it. Um, and then, then tuba and other things. And, you know, it was satisfying in a way, but I mean, even like the performances. You got to put on your your uni or your your black pants and your hard shoes and your white shirt or whatever and go off to some band contest and ride on the bus and sometimes it was kind of fun with your friends but it, you know you end up in some other school for eight hours and your kids schle- your parents slept along and then you know I started playing rock and roll and there I was in bars late at night people buying me drinks there's you know uh, uh, chicks allegedly Um and and it just I don't know. <laughs> Does does the world need one more rock and roll bass player or, or, or a beautiful symphony orchestra more? Well, you the know, question
5: is not what the world needs. That is own... to me.
4: I'm that kind of guy.
5: <laughs> For your own enjoyment. I don't know.
4: Yeah. Well, I wish I'd uh, taken on the cello like your son is. He's settled on the cello, right? Because you get to sit. Yeah. Um, and it's, I wish I'd taken that on because that'd be a good, you know, bridge to playing bass, which I did.
5: Well, it's all stringed instruments. I guess the theory is because they're super hard to play. You know, there are no frets on them. It's all about ear training. I guess that's what they're after, but I just, I have some concern that it'll be too difficult to get any enjoyment out of because, you know, other instruments you can play and, you know, you can make a tune out of them pretty easily.
4: Right. Right. I mean, you press down a valve on a trumpet. Maybe it's going to be a little flat, a little sharp, but it's going to be the note. Yeah. Yeah, with a, a stringed instrument, no frets. Yeah, I, I will tell you this. It will be astonishingly, astonishingly off-putting for you and your bride, <laughs> especially in the early days. I mean, unmusical doesn't begin to describe how terrible it will be. Right, right. Um, uh, the tone itself will be painful. At least it's
5: a lower <laughs> pitch than the violin. It true that cuz the violin has got that high <laughs> sound and the cello will be more of so I don't think I can handle that.
4: Yeah, the, the violin sounds like somebody ran over a cat. The cello's more body noisy. <laughs> more groany. Well, that was I think that was, you know, the saving grace for my parents cuz I played trombone. It was more flatulent mm. than like a badly played trumpet, which Ooh. is a, a shrieking nightmare.
5: Yeah, it really is. Yeah. And anyway. I was talking the other day about how you get older. You you don't you don't realize the last time you've ever done something when you're younger until you get older. Remember last was it this summer or last summer? Was it this summer that I crawled down the diving board at the pool? Or last summer? Oh man. Where I was gonna yeah. go off the diving board and I got out there right. on the end the high dive and right. I got out there on the end and it occurred to me, You haven't been on a diving board in thirty five years? <laughs> And uh, and then I thought, what if the cold water gives me a heart attack and I die? Oh, so that, I, that happens. I asked the lifeguard, well, my age. Well, you know how many other guys my age were on the diving board that day or any other day? <laughs>
0: any other day?
5: None. Yeah. Or anybody even close. So when I asked the lifeguard, can I climb back down? She kind of laughed and said, yeah. And all the kids had to climb down the ladder. And I, <laughs> oh, I <no>. shuffled back. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't realize that the last time I was on a diving board as a senior in high school, probably, I didn't think, well, this is the last time I'll ever do this. The la- I played the trumpet almost every day for eight years, something like that. And I played my last note as a senior in high school at some point. I don't remember when and have never touched a trumpet since. And for that the
4: world is grateful yeah.
5: And a lot of other
4: things that you do just, oh. It's just funny
5: how that life works
4: Yeah and you, you don't know it at the time That's bittersweet man that's that's melancholy Did the kids at the pool recognize that as a sign of weakness And take your popsicles later on in the <laughs> afternoon as well
5: How about we could just take that guy's money right. yeah. How about we could drive his car around the parking lot Hey hey give me your keys. You, Yeah. That guy has no stones Please stop Please stop driving my car I need
4: to go home <laughs> Shut up old man <laughs>
5: Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show.
0: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics,